I'm Maddie. And I'm Emma. And this is the Content Creatives Podcast. Our mission is to inspire creatives to discover, grow, and own their brand. And today we are going to be talking about three fears that might be holding you back from asking to be paid as an influencer. So we're going to break down these fears and offer some advice on how to reframe and overcome these fears as creators. But before we get started, let's do our question of the day. And the question of the day is, what's one high and one low of this week? My high is definitely that I found a cat painting at Home Goods, and it's literally just like a royal cat. Like I've I seen people it. have those of their own pets, which I should probably get one of Cleo. But like the whole thing is it's just magical. So we bought that for our bathroom naturally. Um, low, probably just busy week catching up, like jet lag, like from being out um, in. Ireland, which I'm so grateful for. We got to visit my family-in-law that we haven't seen in two years. So that was great. But yeah, it's, it's, I think the jet lag is definitely hitting me this week. Um, okay. So for me, I think one high, um, met up with Chelsea. So my friend Chelsea, um, she's based out of Pittsburgh. We actually met through Instagram a few years ago. And when uh, Karia and I went to visit Pittsburgh um, for a brand partnership back in 2018, we ended up meeting her. Um, and again, we were Instagram friends at Chelsea Chen is her name. Um, and she just spent the last two weeks solo traveling through Washington State hiking and her last day we ended up getting dinner last night which was so much fun oh, how fun! i know so we got sushi and we got bubble tea and she probably thought it was so crazy i was like we have to get happy lemon like <laughs> we need happy lemon bubble tea and she was like what is this like happy lemon thing like you're talking about and what so, are these lemons i do love lemons <laughs> lemons are are great i'm sure it has nothing to do with it it's just it's a cute just, name <laughs> i know it's um anyway so happy lemon is um, just like a bubble tea spot. They actually have several locations in Washington state. Um, so ended up taking her there. So it was just like really fun to catch up with her again. Hadn't seen her in so many years, but super, she's like super chill, super fun. And so it was great to catch up with her. So low of this week, I'm trying to think, Oh my gosh, I know my low. <sighs> Boone almost caught a baby bunny and, and I was horrified. Bunny, no. And I know part of it, like the bunnies, there's so many bunnies in our neighborhood. It just like really scares me. And yeah. he, he's a dog. So like his prey instinct is going to be yeah. activated yeah. when a bunny runs into the backyard. And anyway, so I was like sitting there in the living room and we've had a few scares where I thought he he's actually like killed a bunny and that was like a whole nother story but i was sitting in the living room brandon comes into the room and he's like boone's chasing a baby bunny outside and i jump up we like run to the backyard and i was like i was like oh my god oh like my boone god. don't do this boone, you monster you monster <laughs> boone, you monster <laughs> he didn't kill the baby bunny but um you we, saved a little yeah, baby bunny me and brandon had to like chase him out of the backyard get him inside and like we like didn't let him out and i was like baby bunny please hop away please go to safety please go go okay so sorry you guys like that it wasn't that bad but it did scare me and i just again get really nervous when like the bunnies in our backyard because i'm so scared boone's gonna catch them but he's like really not that fast um <laughs> but we're okay all right you guys <laughs> i'm so glad you saved the baby bunny i will say that <laughs> well go ahead and jump into this week's episode about about not letting fears hold you back from asking to be paid as an influencer. So you guys, the first fear that we want to talk about is the fear 
that I have heard influencers say time and time again, and that is, I feel like the brand is going to ghost me if I'm asking for too much. So you guys actually recently shared with me that one of the most intimidating parts of negotiating with a brand is the fear of getting ghosted if your rate's too high. I posted this on Instagram stories and I asked you guys to submit like what holds you back or what fears you might have from you know, negotiating or talking with a brand. And honestly, this was the most common one. And so we wanted to share with you guys that when I started asking to be paid for brand partnerships in 2017, I also felt this way. I feel like all influencers. Well, especially if it's like, for me, the biggest time this fear in particular kicks in is when it's a brand I love and have been dying to work with. And I'm like, this would be so cool to add to like my resume of brands. Like, I think that's when I get really nervous because if it's like a brand that I'm like, this is really cool. Like, you know, it's not the fear isn't as great if it's, you know, I just think when it is a brand that you really, really love, you're really passionate about, you've used for years, this is such a great opportunity. Like, it makes you really nervous to pitch that price because you're like, honestly, I just want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, like, the biggest time for me this fear kicks in. And it's it's just not like you can't just not get paid because it's a big brand in fact like the bigger brands probably have more budget yeah. than the smaller ones um and so you guys like back in 2017 when I definitely was like mulling over this like still like building my you know my influencer friends out there and so I wasn't like bouncing off rates or like you know I haven't had those conversations yet so for me you guys my 2017 financial goal I set for myself was just to break even on my blog and Instagram. So if you haven't heard of break even costs or the break even point before, you you guys know I always bring out these business terms. So I want to define it. A break even point or break even cost just means that the cost of your business equals the revenue of your business. So you're making enough money to cover your costs, but you aren't making enough money to make a profit. So for me personally, as a, you know, part-time blogger doing this on the side. I just wanted to cover the cost of photography. I was doing gifted brand partnerships and paying for photographers. So I was operating at a loss and I felt so intimidated asking for my first $50 a post. Um, and yeah, it was just so intimidating. And so if you're feeling I remember those days. <laughs> I, a lot, very overwhelming. So if you are experiencing this maybe you are a newish influencer and you're dealing with this fear we'd encourage you guys to just take a step back and reflect on your content creator life stage so we did a whole podcast episode on this determine if you're a seed sprout daisy or sunflower because understanding what stage you're at will help you figure out where to put your focus we also recommend taking a step back and reflecting on your financial goals as a creator. So if your goal is to bring in $1,000 or $10,000 or $100,000 this year as a part-time or full-time content creator, learning how to ask to be paid and being ghosted by brands is just a part of the business. I know you guys probably are like, wait, what do you mean it's a part of the business? Yeah. But the reality is you're going to hear the word no, no matter how big you get as an influencer, no matter what life stage you're at, no matter how many years of experience, no is just a part of the business. But no doesn't mean that you aren't worth it. No just means no, not right now, not the right opportunity, not the right fit or not the right brand partner. Once you kind of get past that, oh, it's okay if I get told no, 
I think it becomes a lot easier being a creator, yeah. to be honest. Well, and I think it also comes with time and familiarity. Like the more you hear it, as as intimidating as that sounds, like the first no hurts. It hurts really bad. But now, like when it comes in my inbox, I'm just like, oh, that's a bummer. That would have been fun. Like it, it, it really just does come with like time and acceptance. And so don't get upset if like you are really struggling with that acceptance, like really early on in your influencer career. Like I felt the exact same with sales as well, because, oh, my God, if you guys are going to go into sales, you better get used to hearing no, because that is like 90 percent. Like if I'm cold calling someone, it's like, no, no, hang up. No, super rude. No's like all the time. And with at least influencer stuff, I feel like typically you're not cold calling someone you could and that'd be actually I think a really fun way to stand out but if you're just email pitching them you're probably gonna see a lot of no's and sometimes like it is really overwhelming and it's okay to be upset you don't have to say oh well I should just say it's okay like it's okay to be upset it'll come with time take a second away from your computer and go do something that makes you happy because it really is like it's it's a fear that does get better over time but it never really goes away and it's just something that is just part of the job yeah so we challenge you guys to reframe this fear of being ghosted and being told no and again what maddie said right like if you're hearing that and you're not feeling well it's hard to be like oh i i I just need to get over this but like take a break and like the next time you hear no or maybe not right now you'll feel a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better so again we recommend take a step back listen to your intuition evaluate the opportunity costs if the brand is offering a gifted partnership we've done a podcast episode about that too and if you decide to pass on the campaign think about how you're making space for opportunities that are going to compensate you so again the fear of being ghosted don't let that keep you from asking to be paid as an influencer you will get more comfortable asking you know for the budget or you know what the brand has allocated for the campaign with every time you ask so so yeah practice makes perfect as they say Mm -hmm. i also will reiterate the point no matter what size you are like as a creator or influencer whether you judge that by following count engagement rate whatever no matter what you will always just like emma said earlier you will always hear no's constantly and that will never go away there are going to be still brands reaching out with gifted partnerships there are still going to be brands no matter what like even like beyonce i'm sure gets told no. you guys like everyone gets everyone told gets no, told no and everyone gets ghosted so don't like well I can't say don't take it personally because I definitely did and like sometimes still do and it is really hard but again just take that second to step back I think is the best piece of advice it's okay if you feel hurt but step back and recognize that it's just part of the job it's not you it's just the timing Mm -hmm. and then the second fear that we want to challenge today is I can't tell if I'm overcharging or undercharging this one's a big one especially with the pay transparency in the influencer industry I think it's definitely getting better way better when we've when we first started for sure like when we first started like you had to pay for a course to like recognize like what people were charging and even then sometimes they wouldn't tell you and you'd be like what the heck like it was just really hard because you didn't know what other people were charging the influencer industry was so new we didn't know like what you know what people would normally charge for stuff like this because we weren't really comparing it to advertising we were just like this is a whole new space so there's a one fear that we've heard influencers say and it's basically can't tell if we're overcharging or undercharging and this statement might help or sorry (laughs) 
One influencer that we've heard influencers say repeatedly is, I can't tell if I'm overcharging or undercharging, and this statement might keep content creators from raising their rates. And we wanted to share a quick article by WCNC Charlotte, which is a news station, that South Carolina spent more than $56,000 on social media marketing and paid 24 influencers. And the corporate communication director, Sam Queen, shared that $56,000 is what it costs to buy one, one full page regional ad in the magazine Southern Living. So South Carolina Department of Parks, Recreation and Tourism and Charlotte Regional Visitors Authority spent an average of $2,333 per influencer. So basically just divide that 56,000 by 24 to get the average and saw an overall engagement rate of 7.34%. And the state reached more than 2.4 million potential visitors from the influencer program. You guys, that's insane. Like, it's a tourism board. And everyone's always like, tourism boards don't have money. I was like, "Mm, these tourism boards are spending $56,000 for one page regional ads in magazines. Which, like, again, we've seen, like, does not have the same amount of engagement rate, does not have the you same amount of, like, you can't, you can't track that. No, you can't track it, like, unless, again, you put, like, a specific coupon code. But for a tourism board, what? You're not going to, like, you can't, you know, you can understand how many people, like, buy the magazine on average, but you don't know how it's been passed around. It's not as trackable. You also don't have someone engaging live in real time for you. You don't have an audience that, the like, you know, it, it's so much different. And they're still able to pay that for one ad. And get 2.4 million potential visitors from the influencer program alone. So we are here to tell you that you are probably undercharging. (laughs) This one article is sharing a tourism board that saw a great return on their influencer program and paid a fraction of traditional marketing. We've said this so many times. I used to work at an ad agency. Well, not an ad agency, like at a... (laughs) ad agency. Well, we did sell ad space um, at the University of Washington, the newspaper there. I used to sell ad space there. And you guys, even small businesses were paying like thousands of dollars to put their names in these ads that you can't track. And so it just goes to show advertising is incredibly powerful. So our tip if you're really concerned about undercharging or overcharging, just recommend building relationships with other content creators who you trust and value because it's super helpful to have peers in the industry where you can check in with their rates. Like Emma and I talk about it all, all the, the time, time on the podcast, but also like when we are doing our like content days or even just like getting coffee or so, we'll just talk about like all the different things, like our rates, like projects going projects, on. Yeah. Like having that transparency and being able to say like, you need to charge more. Like, we'll even like text about this. It's like, you need to charge more. Like, you absolutely should be charging for this. No, like, make them take yeah. out the usage rights if they're not going to, you know, like flex on budget, stuff like that. Though it's important to do that with influencer friends, we don't recommend sliding into a creator's DMs that you've never talked to or established a relationship and just start asking how much he, she gets paid. For the most part, a lot of people are sensitive about money. Like while we're trying to kind of fight that stigma on this podcast and in our platforms, we are comfortable talking about rates on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Not everyone else is. So it is 
important to be respectful, build your network of trusted creators, and also establish pay transparency. So maybe that's like your thing. Maybe you're going to start being transparent about your pay. And you know what? Maybe if you post about it, someone will comment and say, wow, you're way undercharging. You don't know. So if you want to start kind of spearheading that in your space, I think that's a great thing to do. But definitely don't let that hold you back. Yes. Especially since like you guys like Q4 is here. We're literally like (laughs) the last quarter of the year. So like razor rates if you haven't done that yet. Okay. So that was weird when you said that. What? I can't believe 2021 is almost over. I know. It's what happened. I know. The last two years of our life just haven't existed. It went so quickly. Okay. (laughs) Deep breath. Here we go. Okay. So the last thing I want to discuss is I don't have enough followers. One of the most common fears we've heard other micro and nano influencers say is that they don't have enough followers to be paid. Maddie and I are not micro I'm sorry, Maddie and I are not macro influencers. We do not have millions or hundreds of thousands of followers, yet we're still able to make healthy incomes working with brands on paid projects. So we want to remind you guys that your following size or potential audience size is not the only thing that brands look for in paid brand partnerships. Here are a few other things that brands look for. Number one, the makeup of your audience. For example, it's not about like the size of the audience, right? A brand might want to work with you because your audience lives in a specific region or a majority of your audience is in a specific age bracket. Brands want to see if your audience fits the profile of the audience that they're trying to reach. And number two, brands also look for your content. So some brands might be looking for influencer content to use as social media ads. A lot of brands will whitelist influencer content. And if so, if you've seen like photos of that, like of your favorite influencer and they have that shop now button ad um, on some of your favorite influencers pictures that you follow, that is a paid ad or whitelisted content that um, brands and, inf- and influencer agencies or PR agencies are putting paid dollars behind. And so we've also talked about how sometimes like brands will just repurpose influencer content. They'll use it for email marketing or they'll put it up on your website, right? Mm-hmm. If they're trying to show diverse body types, you know, different seasons on like how people are wearing or styling their brands. Yeah. My and, manager, Regan, even ended up in an ad on an airplane. Like, you know, those like things that you see on the back of people's seats, like the little TV screens. She was in one of those. Ads. Oh, my God. And she actually that was like back like when she first started, she was like, wait, hold on. And so that was like one of the big like red flags for her where she was like, OK, I need to start looking at this. Like and now she's like obviously got it way on lock. This was forever ago. But yeah, just they will literally use the heck out of that content that they would have otherwise spent thousands of dollars creating. Yeah. And I think, again, like one thing that like if you're just getting started, you might not be aware of this, right? In the digital media age, brands, companies, everybody needs to be prolific content creators. There's new content being shared every day. And the reality is companies are not and probably don't have the capacity to be shooting content on a daily basis. And one way you are able to like supply content is by outsourcing to influencers. And so if you're able to produce like high quality content that can be used for digital ads or other forms of traditional marketing, like brands are going to want to work with you and 
that doesn't matter how many followers you have. No, it's like your content is not a reflection. If you're a great photographer or if you're a great like storyteller, like through video, or if you just have like a vibe that perfectly matches the brands, like there's so many reasons why they might want to work with you. Like we even have photographer friends who have literally worked with brands and not even had to post on their channels. They just outsourced like product photos or they outsourced, you know, photos of them actually holding the product because they needed to, they needed models because just like Emma said, brands need an overwhelming amount of content now more so than they've ever needed before. Originally just print ads, right? Then we have like video ads on like the TVs and like on the TVs. I saw on the TV anyway, (laughs) on TV and like all different like kinds of ads then moving to YouTube, doing ads online, things like that. Now on top of all that, they're doing social media ads with Instagram, everything else. They are needing content all the time. And no matter how many people you hire, you're not able to get a unique amount of like people in from different backgrounds and different perspectives. If you want a feed curated like that, which in my opinion, brands should, then you are going to need to outsource because there is no way that you can hire like that amount of models, shoot that and like continuously post every day, two times a day, three times a day, whatever your social media strategy is as a brand, it's not feasible to do without creators. And one thing I've seen like nano influencers specifically, like where you could argue that they don't have quote unquote enough followers because whatever, they're at 2,000 or 5,000 followers. If you are in that boat, you guys, and you're hearing this podcast, right? And you want to overcome this fear, like one thing you could do to like kind of set a productive goal is improve the quality of your content. Produce content that is like ad-worthy. Like, and I know like, again, like everyone has like a different view of like what could be ad-worthy or whatnot. But like, if you have a favorite brand, look at the content that they're posting on Instagram, on Twitter, on their TikToks. And not that you have to mimic it or mirror it, but like you will get to see like what type of content that they value. Maddie and I specifically as like lifestyle creators, right? We get lifestyle brands because they want lifestyle imagery. Yeah. And it's like, would it be easier to shoot on an iPhone Probably yes, but like the kinds of brands that I think we work with, and there's definitely brands that prefer iPhone phones. Yes. I think that's the thing is like the brands that like we typically work with do prefer kind of that DSLR professional photo shot because that is kind of the industry that's the that content we're in. they're used that's to. That's the content they're used to. That's the content that they want to repost and reshare and use in their advertisements. But there are other brands like Vici Dolls, I think is a great example that they do have some professional photos, but I, I'm not saying that. But like, it's definitely a very like, filter vibe like kind of like iphone shot like a lot of fashion brands are like kind of the iphone shot kind of thing so you can do it however you want and if you aren't like we're not saying you need a dslr to land brand partnerships in any way shape or form like we've talked about this on a previous episode of different ways to get started and different things that you can use iphones even do have like really great yeah quality these days (laughs) yeah seriously it literally looks like a camera like camera camera sometimes like a dslr but you can start small and just kind of see what kind of quality the brands that you're targeting what they're working with and maybe just use that to inspire what you like what to create moving forward again don't change for brands and don't change specifically for partnerships but just keep that in mind it's something that could help you maybe land and again right it like goes back to our first when we were talking at the beginning 
Take a step back and evaluate what stage you are as a content creator because that will help you determine where your focus should be. Because if you are in that sprout, in that daisy stage where you really want to work with brands, um, that is one source of revenue you've determined on how you want to make money as a creator, right? It's about just like being aware of like what brands look for. And so um, we can speak to that, obviously, because like that's our main mode of how we make money. We've shared other ways you can make money as a creator in previous episodes, did a whole episode on that. But yeah, hopefully these three different fears, you guys, about not having enough followers, about the fear of being ghosted or, you know, the worry of undercharging or overcharging. Hopefully we've kind of talked through this and hopefully you feel a little bit better and can you can listen back to this episode if you're like having a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like this brand came into my inbox. I really want to work with them. I'm scared to respond. And you need like a pep talk, pep talk. Come back to this episode. We'll be your cheerleaders. Listen to it again. And, and, and just, yeah, just like start to think about these different things so you can start to overcome those fears around not, about not asking to be paid. You can do it. We believe in you guys. So thank you guys so much for listening to this week's podcast episode. If we haven't connected yet on Instagram, you can find us at Emma's Edition, at Mad Cray, and at Content Creatives Podcast. Make sure that you guys sign up for our weekly email newsletter and join our Facebook group. It's really fun over there. So we would love to see you there and we will see you guys next time.